Remember the worth of souls is great in the sight of God. At times like that, just look up and leave. It's up to us to go down the road that leads us back home. It's up to us to see we already are what we want to be. Don't give in to what others say. It is time for Lesson 3 of the Worth of Souls podcast. I am Andrea. And I'm Brent. Welcome back. We're so glad that you're joining us for this lesson where we'll dive into thought habit number one, the Holy Ghost confirming daily that I am on the path. Now, I'm very excited about getting into the meat of this lesson with you. There's a really good reason that this is the first thought habit of Jesus Christ that we are going to discuss. And I hope... I really actually know that by the end of this lesson, you will have a much clearer understanding of the incredible value of the Holy Ghost confirming that you are on schedule for exaltation. Now, really quick as a reminder, in the introductory lessons, we went over foundational concepts that are going to apply to every single lesson from here on out. In the first introductory lesson, we talked about the concept of the three worlds we live in every day, the temporal world, spiritual world, and our inner world. We defined a thought habit, that mind furniture we described, or the automatic emotional response that we give to any situation, similar to our physical habits. And then we talked about the power of praise and praying always using the example of Nephi on the ship. Then... In the second introductory lesson, we discussed Alma's process for change and how the Holy Ghost talks to us and testifies to us and the steps that it takes to get the principles of the gospel rooted within us. So how did you do with the challenge that we gave you at the end of last lesson? Were you able to plant that seed of the worth of your soul being great in the eyes of God? And were you able to spend a couple of days talking to him about how he feels about you? We would love to hear the experiences that you had. Please visit our, our Instagram or Facebook and share anything that, uh, that stood out for you. Yeah, that's a perfect place to share it. Now, from here on out, we are going to cover one thought habit of Jesus Christ in every lesson. Now, just by way of summary, we want to go over really quick the thought habits that we're going to cover in the next 12 lessons so you know more of what you have to look forward to. Thought habit number one, which is today, we already said is the Holy Ghost confirming that I am on the path and being able to identify that. Now, thought habit number two, we're going to go over understanding how to separate our worth from our performance. Then in thought habit number three, we'll talk about using our daily performance or the activities that we participate in every day to grow spiritually. Thought habit number four, we'll look at everything in this life as being a stewardship and how Heavenly Father expects us to use those stewardship for our growth in this life. Then we'll cover enticements in thought habit number five and how to use those for daily growth, which will set up our conversation in thought habit number six, where we'll discuss being truly grateful in the midst of adversity, just like we addressed in, in the conversation about Nephi on the ship. From there, we'll talk about how we are in charge of what we think, feel, and do inside of our own temple. 
in Thought Habit number seven. That's Brent's favorite. Absolutely my favorite, (laughs) which will also set up the conversation for Thought Habit number eight, where we'll talk about how we can't control what others think, feel, and do inside of their temple. Then we'll talk about the importance of daily repentance in thought habit number nine and choosing godly sorrow in thought habit number 10. Now, the last two habits will be focusing on loving God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and then forgiving myself and others and understanding that we are judging righteously. Now, hearing all of the thought habits listed out like that, it might cause a bit of an overwhelm. There might be phrases or words that are not familiar to you quite yet, but please don't worry about that. We'll take it one step at a time. Eat the cake one bite at a time. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the elephant. Eat the elephant one, oh, one that's bite the, at a time. that's the phrase. Well, keep, you know, cake, it tastes better. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> now, remember, above all, that this life is about progress. It's not about perfection. Brent and I have been working on applying these this information for 20 years, and we're going to keep learning how to apply it for the next 20 years. Yeah, we're still learning. Yeah, for eternity. It's a lifelong process to improve our thought habits daily to become like the Savior. And ultimately, our goal with these lessons, remember, is to become like our Savior, to learn how to see, think, feel, and do as He does so that we can be a Zion-like people and be prepared to meet him when he returns. So let's jump into thought habit number one, the Holy Ghost confirming daily that I am on the path. The lesson today is all about how the heavens have designed it so that we as Latter-day Saints can know with a perfect knowledge whether we are on schedule for exaltation in this moment. The first order of business, we want to talk about our level of hope. Hope for what? We want to identify the level of hope that we feel to be raised up unto eternal life. Now, if you are not watching the slides, we have a visual up of a ladder depicting the different levels of hope. And on the bottom of the ladder, we have the phrase, no hope. And then a little bit further up, we have some hope. And in the middle of the ladder, we have much hope. Then about three quarters of the way up, we have no doubt. And then at the top of the ladder, we have a perfect brightness of hope. Now, within you, you get to answer this question. Where am I on this ladder of hope to be raised to eternal life? Do I feel a little bit of hope, much hope, or a perfect brightness of hope? A friend of ours recently asked a similar question to this in his gospel doctrine class. He asked, who in here desires to live with Heavenly Father again? And of course, since this was an LDS class, everyone raised their hand. Yeah, you could just picture it in your mind, the conversation going on in Sunday school about this. <laughs> he then asked a follow-up question, which which was, which of you who has your hand up has the total confidence that you will succeed in attaining the celestial kingdom? Sadly, so many of the hands went down. And our friend made the comment to us how sad it is that there are so few saints who have that perfect brightness of hope. So back to that question, where are you on this ladder of hope? Take note of how you're emotionally responding to that question right now and see if by the end of the lesson, that reaction maybe has changed a little bit. Now, something we need to ask ourselves is, does the Lord want me to have a perfect brightness of hope? And is it possible in this life? 
So what do the scriptures say? Let's go there to find the answer. Moroni chapter 10 verse 21 tells us, Ye can in no wise be saved in the kingdom of God if ye have no hope. So there we know it's essential. And Ether says, With surety hope for a better world on the right hand of God. So what kind of hope does Ether recommend for us? With a surety. Well, in Alma tells us, in Alma 13.29, that we should have hope that we shall receive eternal life. And Nephi tells us in, in 2 Nephi 31 that we should have a perfect brightness of hope. Now, how can I tell if my level of hope is sufficient? Ether talks about our level of hope being an anchor to our souls. That's such a great visual. It helps us to be sure and steadfast always glorifying God within our good works. Now, an anchor to our souls, it's really fascinating to me, that particular picture. And and the way that I feel about it is that when I have hope, it keeps me secure within the gospel. Our level of hope keeps us in the boat. And the greater my hope is to be raised to eternal life, the more sure and steadfast I become within the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual confidence, and it's a gift from God. It brings excitement to my journey. And when I'm not excited about my day, 100% of the time, when I look back and I have a day that I'm not excited about the fruits and the gifts of eternity, it's always because I'm temporally focused and I have lost lost track of these concepts we're talking about here. Andrea's never temporally focused. <laughs> I'd like to let, let everybody know she's near perfect. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. <laughs> So how do we know the level of hope that we're feeling is real and it's not just something that I'm telling myself so that I feel better? Well, Moroni 10.5 answers that because it tells us that through the Holy Ghost, we may know the truth of all things. And just like we talked about in the last lesson, if I tell myself a lie about the level of hope that I'm feeling, the Spirit will withdraw from me. So for now, we're going to leave the ladder of hope and... We'll come back to it later. We're going to put it on the shelf. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. And we're going to turn to the the most recognizable diagram in the church, the plan of salvation. <laughs> now, if you're watching the video with us, you can see the, the picture that we've got up of the plan. We're actually going to share two different pictures with you. And if you're just listening, you can you can find those on our website at a later time. The first picture, we, we like it a lot. It has a lot of the traditional circles and arrows that you're used to seeing. But what we love about it is that... It correctly depicts the timing of the second coming happening prior to the thousand years of the millennium and both of those things happening prior to the final judgment, which we'll actually refer back to a little bit later in the lesson. Now, this second depiction that, that we bring up is very unique. It's, it's not something that you're probably going to be familiar with seeing. It shows the atonement of Jesus Christ at the very center of the plan and correctly shows how Jesus Christ is the reason for the success of the plan of salvation. It also correctly depicts the effects of the fall and our sins causing the physical death and the spiritual death and how the atonement overcomes both of those deaths. Now, without his atonement, obviously, everything would have been completely for naught. But because of his matchless love, we have been promised to be joint heirs with him in our Father's kingdom. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I can't even hardly comprehend the significance of that. 
So whether you are a lifelong member of the church or a recent convert, you will most assuredly be familiar with this plan of salvation. Probably ad nauseum. Ad nauseum, yeah. But have you ever specifically prayed for a confirmation and received an answer from the Spirit that this doctrine is truth? The world and the philosophies of men are attacking the doctrine of the plan of salvation right now like crazy. If there was ever a time that every person in the church needed a personal testimony of this doctrine, it is right now. That's right. And some of the truths about this doctrine. Let's go over some of those truths. You and I lived before we came here. We were brought up in the courts of glory by heavenly parents. We were faithful there. We fought for Jesus Christ there. We were not sent here to prove our worth. Our value has already been established. We're going to really dive into that concept the next lesson. And in fact, you and I qualified to come to the earth during this winding up scene when there's more temples than ever before, when the church is a global church, a day of amazing miracles and technology, and it's the last of the last days before Jesus Christ's second coming. And we qualified to live here now. We came here to do two things, to get a body and determine the kingdom where we will spend eternity. Now, because we're talking to those of you who are listening to this type of podcast, we assume you're the type of person that wants to go back where our Heavenly Father and our Heavenly Mother are, which is the celestial kingdom. And if you are listening and you're having doubts about that testimony or this doctrine at all, then we invite you with even more emphasis to please gain these confirmations. Now, I'm going to say something that may come as a little bit of shock yeah, hold to Hold on you, to your seats. Especially if you're a longtime member of the church. Did you know that the easiest kingdom of glory for you to get into as a Latter-day Saint is the celestial kingdom? The hardest kingdom for you as a Latter-day Saint to get into is the telestial kingdom. And the next most difficult for you to get into is the terrestrial kingdom. Now, if that concept shocks you just a little bit, give us a few minutes because we are going to break that down. I'm going to break it down. But before we look at why the celestial kingdom is the easiest, we want to find out what it takes first to get into the celestial kingdom, just in case you're interested in following that program along. In the Doctrine and Covenants, it tells us some very specific things that you have got to do in order to qualify for the celestial kingdom. So let's find out what those things are. You must sin and continue to sin and like it. You must murder, abuse, lie, steal, cheat, get past feeling about all of that, live in spiritual darkness your whole life and feel good about it, so much so that you just stay there. You, you've got to pay the price for not repenting and staying in spiritual darkness. Then you must pay this price for staying in spiritual darkness and not repenting, feeling the pains that Christ went through. And you get to go through the burning program when Christ comes back again. Now, Brett, does that sound easy to you? Sign me up. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> no, that program actually sounds really hard. I don't want to qualify for that kingdom because I actually don't want to do any of that. Well, first and foremost, I don't want to live my life like that. Right. Not, yeah. I'm not even looking forward to the eternities. I don't yeah. want to live like that now. That sounds like a miserable existence. It does. It does. So 
we don't qualify for that kingdom. So there you go. But what about the terrestrial kingdom? That's the fail-safe. This is the one they show on TV all the time. This sounds great. <laughs> Let's find out why it's the next most difficult for you and me. Now, we are told in Doctrine and Covenants, again, we don't overcome our vices if we're a candidate for this kingdom. We get to be very lazy and comfortable in our natural man's state and never really want to improve. Worldly pursuits are always more important than heavenly pursuits. You get to reject the counsel of the prophets and refuse a testimony of Jesus Christ and not be valiant in your testimony of him. Now, I know what some of you might be saying in your mind, that there might be some days that you're not as valiant in Christ as you feel like you want to be, or that you have questions in your mind that you're trying to figure out. But does that mean you're a candidate of the terrestrial kingdom? Shake your head, no. To be a candidate for this kingdom, you have to stay in that state and never get out of it. Now, does that sound easy to you? It doesn't sound easy to me. Let me tell you why. Because when I leave the spirit, when I do something to offend the spirit, I want to get the light back in my life. Now, don't you feel that way? When you offend the Holy Ghost, don't you try to get it back as quickly as possible? Even through the questions, even through sometimes not feeling as valiant as you want to be, don't you want the Holy Ghost with you? Now, if you do, then you are not acting like a candidate for the terrestrial kingdom. And I can bear testimony of that because without going into referring to past transgressions too much, I did spend some time in my life away from the path. And the entire time I was off the path without the light in my life, I longed for it. I missed it. I missed the companionship of the Holy Ghost. I wanted to be back on the path and back in that light. Now, before we move on to discussing the celestial kingdom, it is really important that we point something out. We're going to look back at that first plan of salvation picture that we had up. The picture is, is two-toned, and everything on the top half of the image is, is labeled realm of deity, and everything on the lower half is labeled realm of Satan. What's important to note is that all three of the kingdoms of glory are in the realm of deity, and only outer darkness and those spirits who did not keep their first estate and rebelled in the preexistence are in the realm of Satan. President Oaks, in his talk, Divine Love in Heavenly Father's Plan, addressed this same truth. He said it beautifully this way. A common misunderstanding of the judgment that ultimately follows mortal life is that good people go to a place called heaven and bad people go to an everlasting place called hell. This erroneous assumption of only two ultimate destinations implies that those who cannot keep all the commandments required for heaven will necessarily be forever destined for hell. A loving Heavenly Father has a better plan for His children. The revealed doctrine of the restored Church of Jesus Christ teaches that all the children of God, with exceptions too limited to consider here, will finally wind up in a kingdom of glory. So even those people who are candidates for the celestial and terrestrial kingdoms are given that possibility to receive those glories because God loves all his children. That is such a delicious doctrine. Yeah. 
I read a number of years ago about a scholar who had made a study of the plan of salvation as, as Joseph Smith revealed it. And he's not a member of the church. And one of the conclusions he noted was that the Latter-day Saint God is the most merciful God that he had ever heard of. I love that story when Brent told me that because he is a merciful, loving father. Now, throughout the Book of Mormon, it testifies to us that the easiest thing to do is to be living a life that is a candidate for the celestial kingdom. Alma told Corianton not to be slothful because of the, what? The easiness of the way. The Lord tells us in the New Testament, Come unto me, ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can remove the burdens you have when you become one with Christ. Living, You guys, living the gospel is easy. But when you're trying to do it with a temporal focus, that is when it's hard. So let's find out why the celestial kingdom is the easiest for you and me. In the DNC, once again, this is a person who has entered the path by faith, repentance, baptism, and the gift of the Holy Ghost. They are the steps of justification. One is justified to go back into the presence of God, clean and forgiven, numbered among the righteous, all because of the atoning gift of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, after this, you're then asked to walk the straight and narrow path each day, feasting on the words of Christ, progressing with the Spirit, growing in love, growing in repentance, growing in receiving personal revelation from the Holy Ghost, and the angels in heaven watching over us. You can come to love walking in the light because when you do, when you do something that offends the Spirit, you seek to restore the Spirit back into your life, and you're a covenant-keeping member of the church. Now, everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> that is a path that sounds a lot easier to me. In fact, it sounds really similar to the life that I am already living. Doesn't it sound familiar to you and your life? Ask yourself, how are you living? Are you seeking the Spirit daily? Are you repenting? Are you seeking forgiveness? Are you trying to follow the Lord's counsel for your life, even through maybe those days when you don't feel quite as valiant? Are you trying to stay on the covenant path? Now, if the answers to these questions are yes, then guess what? You are walking the path that is the easiest for a candidate of the celestial kingdom. Elder Bednar gave a perfect insight to this concept in a meeting that he had with the saints in Chile in 2016. He said this, How will I know where I'm going to go? I can answer that for you. You don't have to die to find out. If living the gospel for you is hard, say, oh, if I just wasn't a Latter-day Saint, I could have fun. If that's what you're like when you die, guess where you're going to go? With other people who feel the same way. Because that's the law that you've learned to love. If during the course of your life, a little bit at a time, you have learned to love living the gospel, guess where you're going when you die? With people who love living the gospel. The Lord is not going to have to tell you. When you come into his presence, you'll, you, don't, you won't think, gee, I hope he's in a really good mood today. I hope he gives me some extra points so my grade will be a little bit better. When you come into his presence, you will go where you know you belong. 
based on what we have desired to do and become while we have lived on the earth. If you can look your bishop in the eye because you're worthy and clean, you already know what the day of judgment will be like. There's no awkwardness, no embarrassment, no shame. Living the gospel is not hard. Not living the gospel is what's hard. And it is joyful to live it. Can you see how easy it is for us to look forward with a perfect brightness of hope to our place in the celestial kingdom? Just like Elder Bednar said, where will you be comfortable? Now, how long do we have to work out this salvation? Well, we have this life, whatever time we end up spending in, in the spirit world, and the thousand years of the millennium when Christ himself will be reigning personally upon the earth, overseeing his works before we are judged. Then and only then will we be provided with the mansion that has been prepared for us in the kingdom of glory where we, where we will be comfortable. There is so much hope in that doctrine. It is beautiful. Yeah. Well, and because the world we live in is so apt to attack these basic doctrines of the restored gospel, if you find yourself questioning any point of doctrine, doctrine, remember please to use Alma's process of change. Make it an experiment, just like the Lord invites you to do. Put the word of God and the spirit to the test with truthful sources. Now, earlier in the lesson, we mentioned that we were going to tell you how the heavens have designed it so that we can have a perfect brightness of hope all the time, in the, even in the midst of this wicked world. The formula that we have been given is the process of justification. And most saints, unfortunately, skip right over this without realizing that this is the process the heavens have provided and we can have no doubt where we are on that ladder of hope and that we're on the correct course. Well, and I think we skip over it just because it's always been there. Right. That's right. a big reason why. Well, in this process of justification, it means something else that you're familiar with hearing, being born of the Spirit. It is how we, have, how we become clean and forgiven. How do we do that? Obviously, we know the first few steps, which you've already done, faith, repentance, baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, that gets us in through the gate onto the path, onto that covenant path that the brethren are always talking about. And of course, after entering that path, is it all done? No, we have to endure to the end. We have to continue to qualify to have the companionship of the Holy Ghost in our lives. And I fear that way too many of us overlook the magnificence that the Holy Ghost constitutes in our lives. We need to look at what the Holy Ghost does for us. He testifies that we are clean and forgiven, that we are numbered among the righteous. He confirms that we are on that path. He comforts us. He leads us to become like Christ. He instructs us how to overcome this world, guides us into mastering the physical body, he is the source of all truth, and he increases our hope to be raised up unto eternal life. All these things are gifts that the Holy Ghost gives us. Well, in Moses chapter 6, verse 60, it says this, For by the water ye keep the commandment, this was our baptism, by the Spirit ye are justified, this is what we're talking about today, and by the blood ye are sanctified. Now, we love the subject of sanctification, but... It is a discussion for a different day. <laughs> now, President Harold B. Lee commented on that specific verse in Moses, specifically the part of 
by the Spirit ye are justified. And he said the following about it, open quote. Now, I have struggled with that statement, and I have found a definition that seems to indicate to me what I'm sure the Lord intended to convey. The definition I think is significant says, justify means to pronounce free from guilt of blame or to absolve. Now, if the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is to pronounce one free from guilt or blame or to absolve, then we begin to see something of the office of the Holy Ghost that relates to the subject about which we are talking, what it means to be born of the Spirit. Close quote. Now, what does that mean to you? It means this to me. If I feel the Holy Ghost in any day, then I am pronounced free of guilt, blame, absolved from my sins, and I am clean and forgiven. Please let that sink in, the significance of that. If you die today and you have the Holy Ghost with you, you can have no doubt that you are a candidate for the celestial kingdom. Now, why do we take the sacrament? The sacrament prayer says to keep the commandments he has given us so we may have his spirit to be with us. How can we tell if we're keeping sufficient commandments? By whether or not I have the spirit with me. Now, do we have to be perfect all the time in order to constitute the spirit to be with me? Thank heavens. Thank no, heavens, I don't no. have to be perfect for that. I would never qualify if I had to be perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neither would any of us. Oh. That's not what we're here to do. Now, the Come Follow Me manual sheds additional light on this subject. It says this absolutely beautifully. In our efforts to live, learn, and teach the gospel, we should first and foremost seek the companionship of the Spirit. This goal should govern our choices and guide our thoughts and actions. We should seek after whatever invites the influence of the Spirit and reject whatever drives that influence away. For we know that if we can be worthy of the presence of the Holy Ghost, we can also be worthy to live in the presence of Heavenly Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. When I read that in that manual, I was like, yes, thank you. There it is. It's <laughs> such a beautiful way to put it that we merit the presence of a member of the Godhead when we are doing our best. And in Doctrine and Covenants fifty thirty four, it says, He that receiveth of God, let him account it of God, and let him rejoice that he is accounted of God worthy to receive. Now I can hear some of you wondering, what if I do an anger, and I yell at my kids, and I lose the spirit? And I know I'm sure none of you have ever done this, but I've done it. <laughs> Andre can tell you plenty of times. And the next day... I repent and I get back in the light. But what What if I died that night before I had a chance to get back into the light? Because I died before getting back onto the path, does that mean that I'm not qualified for the celestial kingdom? Of course not. Just because I committed a sin by yelling at my kids doesn't mean I'm condemned. I don't want to stay in darkness. My desire is to make amends, to repent and get back in the light. And because my thoughts and the intents of my heart were to get back into the path, I am still on schedule for exaltation. And here's the question about, about being perfect. Do we have to be perfect in this life to receive exaltation? Now, this is a concern for a lot of Latter-day Saints. Maybe in our mind we think, oh, no, we don't have to be perfect. But 
we But then we go to church and they talk about everything being so perfect. Right. Exactly. So sometimes there's a conundrum within that culture. Now, Bruce R. McConkie, he answers this. He says this. All the faithful saints, all of those who have endured to the end, depart this life with the absolute guarantee of eternal life. There is no equivocation, no doubt, no uncertainty in our minds. Those who have been true and faithful in this life will not fall by the wayside in the life to come. If they keep their covenants here and now and depart this life firm and true in the testimony of our blessed Lord, they shall come forth with an inheritance of eternal life. We do not mean to say that those who die in the Lord and who are true and faithful in this life must be perfect in all things when they go into the next sphere of existence. There was only one perfect man, the Lord Jesus, whose father was God. What we are saying is that when the saints of God chart a course of righteousness, when they gain short testimonies of the truth and divinity of the Lord's work, when they keep the commandments, when they overcome the world, when they put first in their lives the things of God's kingdom, when they do all these things and then depart this life, though they have not yet become perfect, they shall nonetheless gain eternal life in our Father's kingdom, and eventually they shall be perfect as God their Father and Christ his Son are perfect. Now, I will say it again. This life is about progression, not perfection. I personally have had so many friends who have ended up becoming so discouraged about this very concept that they have left the church and abandoned their covenants because, as they put it, they always felt so guilty there and they feel less guilty outside of the path. Now, that, you guys, that is one of Satan's greatest lies. Just as we have talked about, when you feel the Holy Ghost, you can be assured that you are what? Free of guilt and blame. You are clean and forgiven, all because of the gift of, our, of the atonement of our Savior, Jesus Christ. One of our favorite scriptures on this subject is DNC 46, verse 9. It says this, They are given for the benefit of those who love me and keep my commandments, and him that seeketh so to do. I love that scripture. I'm seeking so to do. That's me. Right? Isn't that all of us? It's so comforting because it accounts for all of my humanity. All right. Now we're going to go to the shelf and take down our ladder of hope and look at it again. After going through understanding that the celestial kingdom is the easiest for you and me to get into and going into detail about the process of justification and the magnificent role that the Holy Ghost has in our lives, we want to revisit the question that we posed at the beginning of the lesson. Where am I on this ladder of hope to be raised to eternal life? Do you have no hope, some hope, much hope, or have you come to realize that because you have felt the companionship of the Holy Ghost recently, that you are clean and forgiven, and you can have no doubt or even a perfect brightness of hope to be welcomed into the presence of the Father and sit down with Him in His kingdom. Now, is it egotistical to say within myself, I am on schedule for exaltation? No, it is not. It is humbling, <laughs> and it is it is spiritual confidence in the miraculous power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, if the Holy Ghost has testified to you during this lesson, you can remove all doubt 
that you were on schedule for exaltation, to be with your best friends in heaven again. Our whole life on this earth is designed for us to learn to become spiritually centered and one with our Savior. The Holy Ghost is our guide in that journey. When we feel the Holy Ghost, we can know without question that we are doing great. Now, some of you might be asking the question, what if I don't know how I feel the Holy Ghost? Or maybe you know how the Spirit speaks to you, but you haven't felt it for a while. Any of those questions about receiving confirmations from the Holy Ghost. We we want to jump into a real-life story with this whole concept of the Holy Ghost and justification. We're going to use an example from the life of a good friend of ours, Sister Graf. She is a divorced single mother of five children. And her weeks are difficult. There's a ton of stuff to figure out as a single parent. And she told us about this particular week that she was really, she was exhausted. And she was really looking forward to going to church to receive a spiritual uplift. Now, sacrament meeting that day, it was perfect for her. All the messages were exactly what she needed. Those tender mercy moments. And she felt the spirit and received a perfect uplift to her soul. Now, even some of her teenage kids seemed to listen to a little bit of the speakers. That made her really, really happy. And after sacrament, she was able to visit with friends. And it felt so nice to feel their love and receive their hugs. It just felt so good to be around everyone at church. Now, this particular Sunday was the Relief Society lesson. And you can picture it in your mind. She walked in beautiful decorations, special paintings of the Savior. It just felt so good there. And she was happy to be there in attendance with everybody. Now, after the prayer and announcements, it was time for the lesson. And this particular week, the lesson was about teaching successful Come Follow Me lessons at home. Now, if you know anything about how challenging single parenthood is, you know that Sister Graf isn't necessarily knocking it out of the park with her family's study of Come Follow Me. Just getting the kids in the same room to sit down long enough to get a prayer said is a victory on most of her days. Now, the teacher starts going over all the different points of Come Follow Me, the promises from the prophet of what will happen in your home if you're consistent about teaching your kids, the famous phrase of no success can compensate for failure in the home, So many sisters in the lesson personally testify about the different truths that they have seen come about in their life and in their family. And the further the lesson went on, the further into darkness Sister Graf went within her thoughts. And on the way home, she remembers thinking, I I just don't even know why I go to church anymore. Now, what happened to Sister Graf at church that caused her to put herself down and lose the good spiritual feelings that she had experienced in the earlier meetings that were a witness of the Holy Ghost being with her. She made a substitution for the Holy Ghost. Let's break it down. In sacrament meeting, when she felt the Spirit, she gave credit to the speakers. When her children listened, she gave credit to the speakers. In hallway, In the hallway, when she saw her friends, she gave credit to them for feeling good. When she walked into the Relief Society meeting, she gave credit for feeling the spirit to how beautifully it was decorated there. 
And then as soon as the Relief Society lesson started, she she did the comparison and she compared this perfect lesson to her not so perfect home life, especially with Come Follow Me. Now, this is a very temporal focus. Comparison will always move you to darkness. It's a natural man thought habit. And it is used by Satan all the time to get us to do discouragements within our temple, within our mind and heart. And when she did this, she went into darkness by telling herself that she was a failure of a mother and a parent because she never does come follow me lessons. And all of the thoughts started coming that did the swirl of constant downward spiral in her thoughts of that she doesn't do the lessons. She doesn't do the dishes right. She never spends time with her kids. And she puts those thought in, thoughts in her mind and it worked perfectly. She kept producing failure feelings and that's the reason when she went home that she never wanted to go to church anymore. <laughs> well, it's like you said earlier. It's the guilt program. Right. It's it's the constantly reminding ourselves of all the things we're not doing in comparison to this perfect lesson that we're right. hearing at church or this, this perfect experience that somebody had sharing the gospel. Right. When we compare that to our lives, the guilt feelings come and we can't get past that right. when we're in that state of mind. Exactly. And and you guys, this is not the Savior's way. The Lord does not recommend that we do any of that. Well, and I can I can really empathize with with Sister Graf because I grew up in a single parent home, and my mom is an absolute saint for getting her five children to church on Sunday, usually even on time. So I can picture what is going on in this in this sister's life and what she had to overcome to turn her focus to a spiritual focus instead of that temporal focus. And remember what the Lord has said to us in Doctrine and Covenants 5034, that Sister Graf, if she were to apply it, would change everything for her. That it says that when we feel the Spirit, we need to account it of God and rejoice that we were counted worthy to receive. So let's look at that same example, but apply this concept of being justified through the Spirit to it and see how differently Sister Graf could could experience church. So before getting to church, she would have known that she needed her spiritual reservoir filled, and she would have started by saying, Father, thank I thank thee for helping me get ready for church today with my kids. Please open my heart so that I can fill the Holy Ghost and confirm that I am worthy to receive. Then in sacrament meeting, she would have felt the Spirit, and she would have said something like this, Father, I'm so grateful that thou hast counted me worthy to receive thy Spirit. I praise thee that I, that I can know that I am on the straight and narrow path, clean and forgiven, numbered among the righteous. Thou knowest that this week has been hard for me, Father, and I praise thee for helping me to be here. Help me to become stronger spiritually so that I can serve thee this day. Then in the hallway, seeing her friends, she would have said, Father, oh, th- thou hast helped me fill the Spirit again. Thank, I thank thee. And please bless my friends to fill thy Spirit as well. Then later in the Relief Society lesson, after hearing what the lesson was about, instead of going into darkness, she would have said, Okay, Father, thou knowest that come follow me lessons are not really great at our house right now. Please help me to receive the spiritual insight that I need for my personal circumstances and help me to know what thou would have me work on. 
she would now be prepared to be taught by the Spirit about what she needs to specifically do for her family without doing the comparison program. And the things that she would hear if she writes them down, they may not even come from the teacher or from the comments, but she would be taught by the Spirit directly. And she would still know that she is a candidate for the celestial kingdom because she was counted worthy to receive, even though she hasn't been perfect in doing Come Follow Me lessons in her home. And she she would have stayed in the light in her thoughts instead of going into guilt and shame and guilt and shame and that churning that happens. Exactly. And I have to I have to share with you that after Sister Graft learned this principle of justification through the Holy Ghost confirming that she was on the path, she has been able to participate in her Sunday worship the Lord's way. And church has become an absolute delight for her every week. Now, we get to take everything that we've learned and apply Alma's process of change. Now, the seed that we're inviting you to plant in your heart is something like this, that the plan of salvation is God's plan of love for me. And when I feel the Holy Ghost in any moment... That is a confirmation I am free of guilt or blame. Now, you can put your own words to it to make it personal, to plant that seed. Now, first, we want to awake and arouse our faculties to see as Christ sees. We have provided a list of scriptures and talks that you can use as you make time for holiness. Or svilupo personale. Yes. (laughs) They all review the plan of salvation. Now, most of you listening have known about the plan of salvation your whole life, just like we mentioned. You could probably draw it blindfolded. (laughs) But when was the last time you personally got a confirmation about it? Just like Elder Bednar said, what kingdom do you see yourself being comfortable in? Second, exercise a particle of faith to think as Christ thinks. Hold a truth in your mind and heart by prayer throughout the day that the plan of salvation is God's plan of love for you. So 10 or 15 times throughout your day, you're going to be praying. And in your mind, you might say something like, Father, I'm so grateful for the atonement of my Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm grateful to know that I am qualified for paradise because of him. I praise thee for the plan of salvation. I praise thee that this plan of love is for all of your children. I'm so grateful to know that I can know without a doubt that I am a candidate for the celestial kingdom. These and other prayer phrases are included in the sample prayer that we provide on our website. Now, third is a desire to believe and let this desire work in you by feeling as Christ feels. You get to receive a confirmation about the truthfulness of the plan of salvation and really your ultimate destiny within it. And because you're holding these truths by prayer and praise in your mind and heart, the Holy Ghost is going to rest on you with more and more abundance. You're going to notice those tender mercy moments throughout your day. And you're going to feel the swelling motions of the spirit, the enlarging of your soul and the enlightening of your mind. And it's going to become delicious to you. And as you receive these confirmations, this doctrine will become more and more rooted. And as Alma says, your faith will be dormant and you will have a perfect knowledge. Now, this is a very sacred process and it is a beautiful gift to receive from Heavenly Father. For him to tell you personally through the Holy Ghost 
that the path you are on is pleasing to him. Now on the assignment slide, we have written down, see yourself receiving the gifts of eternity. Now, what does that mean? It means to use the eye of faith to see those gifts of eternity. It's much easier to get excited about the truthfulness of the gospel when you see see the fruit thereof. So in your mind's eye, that eye of faith, picture yourself going to paradise. As you're doing the laundry and your kids are running around and playing and maybe arguing a little bit, see them going to paradise. See yourself overcoming this world. Picture yourself being hugged by your Savior. When you're at dinner with your family, picture everyone there being wrapped up by their Savior. See yourself with the angels that are around you, your heavenly parents that love you so much. And your, your children and your family and yourself being bathed in light, coming directly from heaven to help you throughout your day. Now, there is a guided meditation to help you specifically strengthen this eye of faith muscle. Fourth is to give place for a portion of my word. In doing all of these things out of the love we feel for Heavenly Father and our Savior. So we're going to search, ponder, pray. We're going to do all of those things, not just because Andrea and Brent challenged me to do it. Right. Actually, please don't do it because of that. Do it because the Holy Ghost tells you to do it. Exactly. Do it because you love Heavenly Father. Because when you do all of those things for Him and give a place for a portion, you are going to become like Him. And remember, do not cast this beautiful doctrine out by your unbelief. Satan is going to attack you like crazy. Yes, please be prepared. Keep that shield up because you guaranteed will be attacked. And just know that that when he attacks you, it means you're on the right track. Yeah. And and as this doctrine becomes rooted in you, you can turn back at any time to these confirmations that you're going to receive whenever those adversarial fiery darts try and break you down you will know for a surety and have no doubt. Now, we've given you some really important things to work on in this lesson. And maybe the Holy Ghost taught you some things that we didn't even say because he ultimately is the teacher. Please take a few days to search, ponder, and pray before going on to the next lesson. We are so grateful to be on this journey with you. And until we talk again, remember, that the worth of your soul is great in the sight of God. The Worth of Souls podcast is not an official publication of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. If you have any questions about the doctrines discussed here, please visit the church's official website for clarification. 